morning. Welcome to the Word of God this morning, uh, coming to you from the book of Matthew chapter 14. Someone say Matthew 14. Okay, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Look at your neighbor and say, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. Yes, the indomitable spirit of water walkers. I'll read from Matthew 14, verse 23. Immediately, Jesus said to his disciples, get into the boat and go with him to the other side. Someone say the other side. While he sent the multitudes away. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, verse 24, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, they were filled with joy and said, hallelujah. No, they didn't. Um, They were scared and they were troubled. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water and get out of this boat. Look at your neighbor again and say, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. The indomitable spirit of water walkers. Another verse to read before we pray, Hebrews 11 and 33. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Anybody want to receive what God has promised you? They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. And they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight. Amen? The indomitable spirit of the courageous family of God. If you think that's not you, your ancestry DNA goes to those the Bible says are the tribe that do not shrink back. In fact, Christ Jesus, the greatest water walker ever, had an indomitable spirit and he had courage. And today he is offering you his courage. Someone say amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we welcome your Holy Spirit who is already here. I depend upon you, sir, to speak into the ears of my brothers and sisters in this room. To the many who listen to our podcast, encourage them, Lord. Call them out upon the water into the unknown. Call them out to use their gifts and talents. Call them out of depression into your joy. Call them out of sorrow into your faith. Call them out, Lord, and call us out that we can step out and do the works of Jesus. In Christ's name, and everyone said, amen. Indomitable. Boy, it's a great word. I was reading about giants and I discovered that word. It means too strong to be defeated. Can you say that? Too strong to be defeated. Giants, this is what they do. This is what's going to tell you if you have a giant against you. Most of us have many. They want to immobilize your mind. They want to strip away your courage. They want to strip away your self-esteem. They want to nullify your purpose, darken your vision, halt your progress. You ever been going along okay and all of a sudden a giant rears its ugly head? Your posture changes, your eyes look down, and all of a sudden you're paralyzed. Can I get an amen? Giants want you to see the circumstances bigger than your God. 
They want to blot God out of your picture. I'm going to play pastor this morning. Is that okay? They want to make you see grasshoppers. You see yourself as a grasshopper instead of a giant killer. They want to force you into double-mindedness. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. I'm going to tell you that God's word for you is always, yes, I can. Can you give him praise this morning? Giants wants to foster fear and confusion in you. The giants you face, you'll be known by. And the giants you don't stand off, you'll be known by that too. Anybody that made it into the Word of God faced giants. If you're looking for a silvery day with a glass tea on a front porch, you'll get some of that. But God has called us to conquer in the name of Jesus. And we must face the giants in our life. We cannot cringe and hide We've got to come into the field as anointed warriors and say, say what you want to say about me. Say what you want to say. Post what you want to post. But I'm going to get back up the next morning and I'm going to go forward for the kingdom of God. Can somebody give Jesus a praise? And the course of history, the greatest pictures of triumph and courage and achievement have generally come in the face of overwhelming obstacles. We pray for miracles, but we try our best to stay out of the margin where a miracle is needed. We love our comfort. Can I get an amen? The boat is our comfort. There's a reason. You've heard me say this before. The number one selling chair in America is called... Lazy boy. It's not called worky boy. It's not called risky boy. It's not get out of that seat and dance till you feel better. We used to sing that a lot. You know, it is lazy boy because we like our comfort and the boat is our comfort. I don't feel like you can judge me as long as I'm in the boat at my house. We talked about gifts Wednesday night and how God puts double value on the gifts that are not seen. But for us that have to be seen, there is a triple pressure that you may never know until you have to stand up here too. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, please help me, Jesus. Take the will. But we were talking about how sometimes to be in the arena in anything, not just on stage, but to get out of the boat and do what God has called you, if that's as simple as forgiveness or raising children, to get out of the boat and do for Christ. The great champions of church history confronted the giants of a massive scale. They sought to crush them, but they stepped up to victory. Let me tell you today, your giants, those voices, those things that come against you in work, in family, in home, and in your mind, they seek to crush you. But in Christ, Christ, you will rise up and crush them. No one is our enemy except the source of hell itself. And that is Lucifer. Everyone else, come on, give God a hand. Everyone else is merely a puppeter in the hands of Satan. But I'm going to tell you, you come from a tribe that does not shrink. Your DNA may involve a bunch of wooly bully creatures. Come on, somebody. I don't believe in searching that out because my DNA 
DNA came from Adam through Jesus Christ. My DNA came from a tribe of people who do not back up. My DNA came from lion killers and giant slayers and those who were persecuted and kept stepping up to the gate. You don't need my saliva to test me. The blood of Jesus already flows in my veins. Somebody give him a hand. Jesus. The Beatles said to quote the famous Pastor Hank. He said, the Beatles said, we will be more popular than Jesus Christ. Hitler said, we will denounce and annihilate the Jews. Nero and Mussolini and other horrible commanders and armies have marched against the church. But I have news for you today. From the islands of Hawaii to Argentina to Iceland to Greenland to South America to Spain to Korea to Australia. Yes, to Russia and the Ukraine. The church of Jesus Christ still lives and it still marches on. Somebody give Jesus a praise. In fact, one of my favorite Catherine Kuhlman statements will surprise you. She said, you may try to stop the great move of God's spirit. But it will be like trying to stop Niagara Falls with an umbrella. It cannot be done. Can I get an amen? This indomitable spirit of water walkers that were too strong to be defeated or discouraged. Moses, Gideon, Israel, Esther, Peter, who stepped out of the boat. And then the indomitable spirit, Matthew, of those of this country, the pilgrims. And this is not your July 4th message, but the pilgrims, or Thanksgiving, the pilgrims who fought odds and starvation and hunger. It is no pretty story. But they battled the odds across the great pond between us and Britain because they believed that Britain would not let them worship in spirit and in truth. Their indomitable spirit brought us America in God we trust our founding fathers said in God we trust we have these liberties that we hold dear and then they fought in the revolutionary war they spilled their blood on this land called America so you and I could be free we cannot be a lazy people I say to myself and I say to you we must have an indomitable spirit that says against all odds I'm getting out of the boat and doing what God has called me to do. Somebody give him praise. Our grandfathers, who in June 1944 landed on D-Day. I've preached enough about it. I can't this morning. I'd love to preach about D-Day. But they fought those incredible odds. I read just recently of the Lancaster bombers. I read a son's of um, antidote, a history of his grandfather that fought in the bomber flights against the very planes in Germany that were shooting everyone down and how they would get into their cramped little areas every morning and they would pray, Jesus be with me as I go against the Third Reich. Jesus help me to see what I can't see. Maybe my blood will be spilled and altered it was in this little Lancaster bomber as those Hitler Germany people try to uh, shoot me out of the sky but Lord Jesus be with me you see they believed that there was a cause greater than fear and when you and I start to believe that we will get out of the boat to merely do what God wants us to do with our gifts and talents and that nothing is to be feared as great as fear itself courage is the absence of fear is not the absence of fear but it is the mastery of it look at your neighbor and say if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat.
For our president, Theodore Roosevelt, said, and I love to quote, it's not the credit who counts, not the man who points how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man or woman who is actually in the arena, who at best knows in the end the triumph of great achievement. And at worst, if they fail, they fail while daring greatly so that their place will never be with the timid souls who knew neither victory or defeat. We are called to have an indomitable spirit to get in the arena. It's safe in that boat. It feels good in that boat. It feels comfortable when I'm by myself studying the Word of God. I told Pastor Hank one time, I could just study the Word of God all the time. He goes, we well, got to teach it sometime. I said, no, really. I just love studying it. And he said, Rhonda, I think the Holy Spirit is saying to you, you can't just sit and study the Word all day. You've got to do something with it and give it out. But I'm comfortable on my prayer couch. Can I get a witness? Because you're not looking at me. Hey, hey, I'm comfortable on that prayer couch because you're not judging whether I, you're not thinking. I'm going to tell you until you get out of the boat and stop acting like you're in a spiritual American idol that people are scoring you a two or a seven or a 10 or you're dancing with the stars instead of dancing on the waves. Until you get out of that boat, it's comfortable in there. No one's bothering me. No drama in the boat. Oh, can I get a witness? Just me at my house and my cat that comes in and out and the dog that lives in the downstairs. Come on. And Christine, of course. And But at any rate, I want to clarify that. Christine's dog lives in the basement. But at any rate, it's comfortable. It's comfortable in the boat. Being a boat potato is wonderful. That's why people love reality TV because they don't have to do anything. They can eat bonbons, lay on the couch, watch other people vicariously live their lives and live through them instead of getting out the boat and saying, I only have one life to live, and it is for Jesus Christ. There's going to be some moments I'm going to hate what I said. There's going to be some moments I didn't like people. Sometimes I get in my car and I leave here, and I've done this for 30 years. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, why did I say that? Oh, Holy Ghost, hide me. Take me up in a one-woman rapture. Come on, somebody. Come on, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, how did I look when I did that? And then the Lord said, well, they weren't looking at you. They were looking looking at the word. We have to continually say, Jesus, hide me in you. We've got some people training up to go on the worship team. And I'm telling them, you know what? When you get up there, say, Jesus, hide me in you. Then you won't constantly worry about, do I do like this? Do I do like this? Do I do like this? Is this a point to do like this? No, you just stand and worship and say, hide me, Jesus. And we all have to be that in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus, said, come and go with me to the other side. We used to sing a song of Reba Rambo, come and go with me to the other side. It's really powerful. The master said it, and you know that man don't lie. Beautiful Reba Rambo. She can sing it like nobody else. But here's the deal. Jesus didn't say, come get in the boat and let's sink in the middle of the lake. Come on, get in the boat. I want to kill you, every one of you. But sometimes we feel that way, don't we? I remember drying my hair at Lee College University. A lot of this is not in my message, it's just coming. Drying my hair, Peggy, and I found out that the Holy Spirit said, Hank Davis, we've been divorced for about six months, is coming to Lee College. Is my freshman year. I said, no, he's not Holy Spirit. Hank Davis lives in California. You have missed your geography. No, he said he's, he's coming to Cleveland, Tennessee. He's coming to Lee today. I don't always hear so clear. Please don't overestimate my ability to hear, but God was merciful to me in that moment. But here's the deal. That day, Hank Davis did roll into Cleveland, Tennessee. 
190 pounds, been working out with Mr. Universe, bleached his hair blonde, was tan, and would throw frisbees in the middle of the university street. He just knew when I saw him I was going to melt at his feet. Well, it didn't happen for three years later. But what I said to God, have you ever said this? You brought me out here to kill me. You ever said that? And the Lord said, I didn't bring you this far to leave you. I didn't teach you to swim to let you drown. Trust in me. And sometimes when we get out of the boat, and that worked out wonderful in the end. Amen. Give Jesus a hand in case you missed that story. He said, come and go with me to the other side. And then he went up to pray on the mountain. But you guys head on out in the boat. And Matthew 14 says that a major squall came. I have been on the Mount of Beatitudes. It's beautiful. And you can see where Jesus was. He had just taught, fed the 5,000. And you can see onto the Lake of Galilee. And he's up there praying. But the Bible says, Matthew, all four Gospels tell this story. And this is why we need the body. Because each one of them give you a piece. You ever had five people telling you a story? And then one says, no, 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 you forgot that part. Come on, you with me? That's what the Gospels are. And a big storm. Someone say a major storm. Until it says that the boat was tormented by the waves. You ever did that? You, you said, Jesus says to you, come on, let's, let's go. Let's go, man of God. Let's go, woman of God. Come on, let's go. Let's, let's do something mighty, whatever that looks like for you. It was so violent they could not keep the boat upright, and it says they were rowing against the wind. At 3 a.m., there they were, and all of a sudden, Jesus starts walking on the water. But I want you to get this. Jesus wasn't headed to the storm. He was headed to the man in the storm. Sometimes all we say to the Lord is, Lord, please stop this problem in my relationship. Lord, please heal this worry, this fear, this doubt. Lord, this attack that's coming against me, this sickness, this hatred, this injustice. Oh, God, when will you kill them? Anybody but me? Oh, God, when will you at least maybe just get them? You know, the Lord doesn't come for the storm. The Lord doesn't come for the battle. The Lord comes for you. The Lord comes for you, and when he comes to you, the storm ceases because he's the master of the wind. He's the maker of the waves. So when he starts making his way towards you, the storm loses its power. Being boatless did not stop Jesus. He just started walking. And I tell you what, He's walking on top of what seemed to overwhelm them. Here's a tender note. God always walks on top of what you think is going to drown you. Give Jesus a hand this morning. Come on. He's already walking on top of what's overwhelming you. The redemptive plan from the Old Testament to the New Testament shows our God and our mighty Jesus depicted as happy as he delivers us. We see him hushing our crying over our hurt taking great delight in redeeming us, taking great pleasure. Zephaniah 3 and 17 says, The Lord your God is in the midst of you, and he is mighty. Someone say mighty. So cheer up. Don't be afraid. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is your mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. Someone say great gladness. Great gladness. His name is El Elyon, which means from the root Allah, which means to go up. Jesus is on top of everything that would ever 
come against you. He's not just one step ahead of you. He's a hundred steps against you. When you got that notice in your mailbox, God was watching when they wrote it. Come on, somebody. When you got that bad news from somebody, God watched as the bad news was formed. And God says, don't you worry. I'm coming for you. He's so high that the book of Ephesians says, God put all things. Someone say all things under his feet and when he did he said to you and I you can keep seeing your problem as bigger that's what your giants would like for you to do or you can say whatever it is sadness you are under my feet grief you are under my feet worry you are under my feet well pastor Rhonda I put it there but it keeps jumping up can I get an amen then you say over and over and over again out loud in the presence of your Savior and in the presence of your family. Fear, you've got no hold on me. I'm putting you under my feet. And I'll keep putting you under my feet because he is El Elyon and Jesus' name is higher than any other name. If you think for a moment, and I'm blessed to be friends with some well-known and unknown. Neither one are better than the other. Some of the unknown people are my favorite because I'm an unknown person in my mind friends with so many of them and I tell you the things they have to consistently put under their feet all you see is the bold courageousness but they consistently have learned to say so don't think some are born with a higher DNA know this in your spirit that those have learned to say it's under my feet those have learned to say this is how I fight my battles I will praise I will not retaliate I will not be furious but I'll begin to praise because when I praise God, the armies of heaven begin to move. It may be a while, but they will take care of what comes against me. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 1 and 30, the Lord your God goes before you. He himself will give light on your behalf. You go before me and follow me. Your place of hand of blessing is on my head. God is famous for caring for greater things. He walks ahead to fight the battles we can't win. He calms the seas we're convinced will beat us up. He softened the blows that we worry that'll take us down. He knows our road. He knows our trial. He knows how to lead us. He is always ahead of you. Nothing catches him by surprise. Give him one more praise in this house this morning. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. You get out of the boat afraid. I remember when we came here to Cleveland before we met the Sallies or anyone in our early years and Word of Life came to Cleveland. And at a prayer meeting, board meeting of Word of Life, the people on that board, none of y'all know, but are still dear friends of ours, they prayed, and there was a message in tongues, an interpretation. Pastor Hank interpreted it, of course. And the interpretation was that I, Rhonda, had been called to make the first step of Word of Life into Cleveland. I remember opening my eyes during the interpretation like, oh, no, not today. You ever been there? 
When they were done, I gave them every reason. I have a two-year-old who is everything of my life. I have this. I have, was Courtney. I have this. I have that. I can't do that. We hadn't done anything clean. They said, no, you're supposed to go rent a room at Holiday Inn and start women in the Word. I remember being so scared. I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. Then I, when Courtney went to sleep, I locked myself up in my study. You ever did this? And I laid on the floor and beat the floor. Come on, somebody. And said, Jesus, please don't make me get out of the boat. I'm comfortable being here. Don't make me. Why should I do this? Shouldn't there be a men in the word? Shouldn't there be a children in the word? Shouldn't there be dogs and cats in the word? Come on, somebody. Anything but this God. Come on. If, if, if you've ever done it, wave a hand toward heaven and let the angels take a snapshot. And the Lord sang a song. I don't think we ever did this at harvest, but it was a great Hosanna song that I love, Tracy. So good to see you today, Tracy. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty, so mighty. The Lord thy God, he's in the midst of thee. And he's mighty, so mighty. And I saw him high and lifted up with power and grace and authority. And he shall reign, the word for you, in the midst of you forever and ever. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And every time I got afraid, I put that on a, I put that, I wrote it out in my handwriting because I didn't have computers back in that stone age day. And I put it on my wall and I would quote it over myself. And last night, don't know why, but it had been a few tough days helping hurting people. Last night, I was just like, God, I am spent. He said, find that song. I said, what song, sir? The Lord thy God. And I searched. I thought it's not going to be anywhere, but it was. I found it on iTunes. Some, someone had brought the relic out. Come on, everybody. And I found myself in my bedroom at 930, worshiping so hard and absolutely wrecked by the Spirit of God. I say this to encourage you because he said, little girl, I know I'm 61 and looking old, but he said, little girl, the same God that called you out of the boat then is the one that's calling you out of the boat now. I didn't fail you then, and I will not fail you now. I am your strength. I am your reward. And I kept playing that song. I kept crying. I kept worshiping, just shaking underneath his power. You say, well, I haven't had that experience. It's open to all. I will tell you, when we get out of the boat, he says, I am in the midst of you. I am the the Lord your God and I am mighty and when you get out of the boat to do anything for him he is in the midst of you somebody give him a shout somebody give him a shout of praise so terrified they were crushed completely convinced and completely wrong that this was a ghost that even recognized Jesus and Matthew wants you to know that because Matthew wants you to know that in the moment of your disappointment and your discouragement, you can't see Jesus. Sometimes it takes somebody else to point out that Jesus is with you. When we're tormented by waves and storms and less than circumstances, we are no better than recognizing him. Fear is a wonderful blessing if you're being chased by a mass murderer. Can I get an amen? I mean, you're, you're, can I get an Amen. Your face goes white. You know why that is? Because the blood goes to your legs so you can run. That's why when you, have a, when you have a dream and you can't run, it's a dream. It's not real. 
because if it's real, your blood drains, runs to your legs, and that's why you see people running like crazy. One of my friends, Kanetta Bear, came to their, she's my roommate. They were showing us on Facebook last night. And I'm telling you, Kanet Hightailed, she used to play basketball. She ran so fast, her family was laughing their heads off, but she was afraid. Fear would be a blessing, and we were raised, told, you know, fear's a blessing if you're a man and you're wanting to wear plaid, plaid shirt, plaid jacket, plaid pants, and your wife says, let's go look in your closet. And can I get an Amen. Fear is good when your wife tells you or your husband tells you that doesn't. Fear is good if a truck is coming at you, but fear is often not helpful. Can I get an amen? Fear is not helpful. It attaches to itself. You have a rational, I can't get into it. I thought I would, but I can't. You have a rational fear system and an irrational. That's why you can be on a roller coaster being laughing and screaming your head off because your irrational thing is saying, we're going to die, but your rational said, it's okay, go ahead and laugh. We're going to die. It's okay, go ahead and laugh. Can I get an amen? I love the screams on a roller coaster. I really don't want to ride a roller coaster ever again. Is that okay? Because life is a roller coaster. I don't need to ride one. Come on. But that's rational and irrational fear. But God hates fear. The number one command in the Bible is not against pride. It's not against this fear. Joshua, you come and start helping me. I still got a way to go. It's fear. Fear is said 360, 60 times. Do not fear. Look at your neighbor and say, do not fear. Because God knows that worry is an enemy to him. And fear is from external situations. But when it moves internal, it becomes worry. You know why rats don't worry about how they're going to get baby formula? Because they don't have an imagination. But you have an imagination. And if you have a good one like me, can I get a witness? Then you can imagine a thousand things. Can I get an amen? And sometimes that worry goes in. But worry is deadly. It starts with fear. Worry moves in and worry has to be evicted. Worry is fear that has unpacked its bags and says, I have a right to be here. But worry is a squatter. God hates worry and he hates fear. Give God a hand clap of praise. You have no reason to doubt or to fear when you answer God's call. What you need to be afraid of and I need to be afraid of is when you put your life in your own hands. Can I get an amen? The Bible is full of story after story of those that were called by God for certain purposes, but they did it afraid. Moses, and I have a way to journey. I might have brought him up too soon, but don't you love him playing? Go ahead and play. Moses did everything to keep from going back to Egypt. Terrified, even when God performed miracles in Exodus 3. Gideon argued with God. Surely you've made a mistake, God. You forgot I'm the least of my clan. I can't do this, God. God had to assure Joshua after Moses' death, be strong and be courageous, Joshua, for you're going to take them into the promised land. God had to encourage Israel who rebelled against God. And afraid to go in the promised land. The soldiers who shook in fear for Goliath. Esther who tried to give Mordecai a different set of clothes. Paul who said, for a great door, an effectual door has opened unto me. And there are many, someone say many, many adversaries. We think if I step out of the boat, 
It's going to be blue skies smiling at me. When I step out to do anything, forgive someone, bake a cake for someone, show up at work, show up at church, clean the toilets, do this, do that, that it's just going to be great. And everyone's going to give me a standing ovation. And they're going to line up after church. Are you the one that cleaned the toilet this morning? It was fabulous. I mean, we have talked about that. We couldn't even, we were distracted during worship. We were distracted during church by that clean toilet that we visited before church. And it was awesome. How many know they are? not going to line up. Can I get an amen? They are not going to line up. You are going to have to encourage yourself. You are going to have to encourage yourself. I've told leaders in this house for many years, be thankful for any encouragement you have, but learn to live without it. Learn to live without it. Peter, a man of fear, had irrational fear. But we've been called to be strengthened by God against difficulties and hardness. Here's a verse for you that are taking notes. Isaiah 41 and 10 in the Amplified Bible. It says, I will strengthen, everyone say strengthen, and harden you to difficulties. How powerful. I will strengthen you and harden you to difficulties. How many would love it that you get so strong in the Lord that when a difficulty comes, you said, well, well, God's going to take care of it. I'm not going to pout, not going to post about it on social media. I'm not going to freak out, call 17,000 of my depressed friends and depress them even further. What I'm going to do is say, God, I know you've got this. I know the rest of that verse says, fear not. Fear opens the door to stand in opposition to everything that God's word says about you and I. It magnifies your weaknesses, your insecurities, your inabilities, your failures. But when we get strengthened to difficulties, when we read the rest of that verse, it says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, fear not. Don't be backed into a corner when difficulties come. You don't get hardened in your heart. Your heart stays pure, but your strength and your resolve gets hardened. How many would like to be hardened to difficulties? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Isaiah says in Isaiah 12 and 2, do not let fear dissipate your energy. Fear drains you from your energy. Fear distracts you. Giants distract you. You think, I ain't going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. It's been 10 minutes since I thought about what he said about me. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. And then boom, there you are again. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about what that boss said to me. I'm not going to think about what that worker said to me. I'm not going to think about what, whatever that looks like for you. I'm not going to think about what I'm going through. And boom, shakalaka, there it comes. And it dissipates your energy. That's why a giant doesn't want you to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Because the minute you feel the euphoria of partnering with God to do anything in the kingdom, you'll be set for the rest of your life. Somebody give Jesus praise. It dissipates your energy. But Isaiah said in Isaiah 12, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Let me tell you something. Jesus is walking on top of that water. He has all power. He rules every situation. Listen, every location, don't miss this because it's ministered to me. Every location and relationship in which he has called you to be a part of, his eyes are on you and his strength is there. He goes where he calls you. He empowers you to do what he called you to do. And then he stands 
comes with faithfulness. And when you get weary in mind and you get weary in soul and you get discouraged, here comes Jesus walking on top of that very thing saying, fear not, do not be afraid. Stop focusing on the waves. Peter was fine as long as he was focusing on Jesus. But when he started looking at the waves, that might be for you, opinion of man, the trial you're going through. People have spoken about you. Disappointments, betrayal, your inadequacy, your anger. Listen, if you say, I'll get out of the boat. As a pastor, it's been said to me in 32 years so many times. When my husband starts acting right, I'll get out of the boat. I say, well, you may never get out of the boat. I meant it in love. Well, I'll do this when I cure my anger. I said, you don't think any of us have anger? I'll bring revival to the world when I can stop cussing. I'll just leave that one alone. I'll do. I'll do this when I get in shape, when I look better, when I have things going on for myself, when I get money in the bank. You may have that win clause until Jesus comes back and the people you were called to help on the other side are still waiting for you to get out of the boat and help them. The people that you are to bring a word of encouragement, whatever it looks like. I'm not talking about preaching and leading worship. I've used some examples. I'm talking about being Jesus with skin on to a world that's hurting, getting out of the boat and putting yourself out there. When he calls you, he qualifies you. God says fear not so many times because he knows that every time he says it and he calls you, you are going to fight fear. Ecclesiastes 11 and 4. Don't wait for perfect conditions or you will never get anything done. If you wait till I'm strong and I'm mighty and when I'm so powerful, I'll do what the Lord has called me to do. How's that? I'm going to write my own musical. Stupid songs that Pastor Rhonda sang at Harvest. Come on. When this happens or that happens, I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell you, you'll be waiting and you'll go in the rapture and you will find that you were never perfect and no one else was perfect. There is no perfect conditions. God is looking for your surrender, not your striving. He's looking for you to say, here I am, send me wherever you want to send me, to the grocery store, to the playground, wherever you want to send me to the workforce. Here am I. Give Jesus a praise. Fear is the number one reason people don't want to get out of the boat. And that was for Peter. And then he got out and he started looking at the waves, but he had to fight the fear. God's people throughout time have shut the mouth of lions and had that indomitable spirit. We're going to look at two powerful men, even going to bring snow in here a few weeks from now. But God had those people that just had indomitable spirits that just went in after it, knowing they weren't perfect. They didn't have it all together. You see, but they remembered that he was El Elyon because when Peter saw Jesus on the water, he had to remember what Job penned. Only God can do this thing. He alone treads on the waves of the sea. And Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus said, come to me. Everyone say, come to me. Here's the deal. Inherit in the word, the book of Colossians says, is the power to bring the word to pass. That's why Mary and Martha did not give up. I mean, he, Lazarus died, but when Jesus came, one of them said, if you'd been here, meaning, is there still hope? Because when Jesus said, I'm coming, 
Inherit in the Word was the power to fix the thing. And the Word arrived ahead of time and held them up. You want to know how you've made it through some things in your life? You want to know how you survived what God spoke over you? The Word traveled ahead of Jesus, rectified it, and the Word held you up until Jesus showed on the scene. Somebody give a shout to Jesus in this place. And here's the deal. It's tough enough to walk on water when it's calm. I mean, I can't even slalom barefoot. Pastor Hank tried to teach me. He did it great. but It's tough to even ski, but to walk, to walk. 3 a.m., Zechariah 8, the Lord says something. When he says something impossible to the people of Israel, they said it's impossible. He said, this is what the Lord says. This may all seem impossible to you. This is a word to everyone in this room. Because you feel small. And you feel like a remnant. You feel discouraged at times. But do you think it is impossible to me? It is not. And when Jesus said, come, Peter, inherit in that power was, inherit in that word was the power. And Peter got out of the boat while the rest of the 11, that's a sermon for another time, can't go there. The other boat potatoes just sat there and watched. At least Peter got out. And he tried. Jesus said, come, Peter. And Peter was doing really good as long as he was watching Jesus. But then all of a sudden, he started looking at the distractions. If this ain't me, I don't know what is. Can I get an amen? If this isn't you, I don't know what is. You feel so powerful and so confident until you just get distracted by this attack or distracted by that or distracted by that or distracted by that but you felt so powerful God says you're the same powerful person you were before you got distracted come on you're the same one that's called by me and Peter was walking on the water and he had that euphoria of doing what only God could have called him to do but then he came to the end of himself let me tell you something tell you one of my secrets I come to the end of myself all the time. I come to the end of creativity. I come to the end of strength. I come to the end of my story. I come to the end of my perseverance. But I've learned through the word that human limitations are the frequent meeting place of God. When you come to the end of yourself, human extremity is where God shows up. When you come to the end and you say, I can't, God says, great, I was waiting for you to say that because I can. I was waiting for you to back up and say it's not in me. I often tell the Lord, I don't know how to do, do it, but to be a pastor I've done this whether on TV or with y'all but to say God it's not in me I don't got it it's not in me I'm going in here I'm supposed to bring this or that it's not in me and God says excellent Woo! heaven is cheering we were waiting for you to say it was not in you so you'd get out of the way and let us get in the way and let us do what we have been called to do through you somebody give Jesus a hand clap and a shout of praise hallelujah Almost to the end. God is greater than your less than circumstances. The focus shifts from the Savior to the undesirable. And Peter does that thing. He says, Lord, save me. And I love that in Matthew, he says that Jesus immediately stretched out his hand. I like that Jesus was so close to him. We'll talk about Peter another time and his failures. I like that, that Jesus was so close to him that he could say to him, Peter, I've got you. Peter, I've got you. He went on to talk to them about their faith, but he pulled them up. 
I believe that in face-to-face encounter, that intimacy with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I know my Savior on the mountain of victory. I know my Savior when the crossing of the Red Sea. But what I love is the moments that he reached down and picked me up when I was drowning in the waves of distraction. I love that he had mercy on me. I love that like Psalms 18 says, he reached down from high above and he took hold of me. He pulled me out of the raging water. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me because they were too strong for me. We not only have a God who is El El Yon who walks on the water, but we have a God who says, and when you start to sink because your eyes got on the distractions, I'm even stronger than that and I'm going to grab you and pull you back up to your feet. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah. In fact, stand up and praise Him. I got one more little minute, but stand up and praise Him. Right where you are. Come on, stand up and praise Him. Stand up and praise Him for every time He pulled you up. Hallelujah. I think that intimacy, Pastor Tim Sally, I think that that look stayed with Peter throughout his life. When he would betray, betray Christ at Calvary, it stayed with him. That look that said, I got you, Peter. I don't think he looked at it mad. Oh, we might do that, but not Jesus. He looked at him like, I got you, Peter. It's okay. I know you were distracted. The Spirit of the Lord says to many in this room, for the enemy has come to distract you and to detour you and to weaken your confidence. But I, the Lord, say to you that my power is always greater. I will grab you by the hand and pull you up out of the difficulty and place your feet on the rock and you will see that I, the Lord, have accomplished it for my glory. And you will only remember the failure. You will only remember the distraction as you give glory to me, says the King. For I am with you, says the Spirit of the Lord. Can you give him a praise and receive that word? We receive that word, Lord Jesus. You see, he's our future. He's our past. And he's our hope. He's our anchor for our soul. And what Peter learned in that moment is, you know, an anchor keeps you. He got out of the boat. We get out of the boat with our gifts and talents. You have to come on Wednesday night to learn about using your gifts and your talents. But that means just getting out of that comfort zone, saying, I'm willing, Lord, whatever it is. I get out of that boat so I can walk into recovery. I get out of that boat so I can walk into fulfillment. And all of that, that anchor, Peter remembered it. Hebrews 11 says to 12, so take a new grip with your tired hands and stand firm on your shaky legs. So those coming behind you. Listen, that image that Peter had, Leanne, of Jesus stayed with him his whole life. It stayed with him through every ministry part that he did. Jesus got him and pulled him up. But that look on his face, I do thank you, Jesus, for the mountains, don't you? I thank him for the victories, don't you? But oh, how I thank him. You weren't there when he saved me. You didn't get to see every time he pulled this sinking woman out of the pit of her own making. When he pulled me out of the waters that were too deep. When I was done and undone and and unwilling to go forward and he said I've got you girl I'm going to pull you back up rejoice and be exceedingly glad your king lives among you hallelujah hallelujah that's why Peter could preach at Pentecost 
He remembered being pulled up. You see, there's people on the other side you need. You know what the other side was for Jesus and the disciples? The Gadarenes. I've been there too, the Gadarenes with Brother Perry and Pam. And I've seen how the demoniac roamed, chained. And when Jesus and them got to the other side, sometimes it's not about you. It's who's on the other side of this trial you're going through. It's who's on the other side of the fear you're facing. It's who's on the other side of the attack that's come against you. It's really not about you. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. It's really about people you're supposed to help. It's people on the other side. The gathering had been that way for years, but the Bible said the radiation zone of Jesus, when Jesus stepped on the property of the gatherings, the demoniac ran and flung himself at the feet, and the legion of demons inside of him Son of man, son of man, why have you come to torment us? And he was delivered and he preached the gospel and he won the island to the Lord. The Lord is asking you to step out of the boat because there's a gathering, there's a church, there's a ministry, there's things he wants you to do. But if you don't step out of the boat, it won't happen. Somebody give Jesus praise one more time. Someone say on the other side. So I know Peter was thankful. What is getting out of the boat for Peter? It was so he could preach at Pentecost and thousand could be saved. He could raise Dorcas from the dead. What if he had not gotten out of the boat? What if Jesus not pulled him up? He raised Dorcas from the dead, praying for her. He saw the lame man at the gate, beautiful, who had been lame since birth and and this Peter, you see, when you've been pulled up out of the water, it tempers you, it humbles you. I was telling Pastor Barbara, I, I was cute when I was young, but I like the wisdom and the humility. And you shouldn't claim humility. I'm not saying that. I'm just less proud. Can we go with that? Then I was younger. Because once you've been pulled out several times, you know it's not in you. When people say that was great, you say thank you. Honor to Jesus. When God does a miracle, you say thank you, Holy Spirit. It was all you. It was all you. It was all you because you know. So when he, that lame man said, alms, alms for the poor, Peter said, look at me. He wasn't saying, look at me. He was saying, look at the Jesus in me. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but this is what I've got. I've got the power of he who pulled me up out of the Galilee. I've got the power of he who caught me when I was sinking deep. I've got the power of he who reached up into the turbulent waters and put me back on my feet again. I've got that same power. So I say, in the name of Jesus, stand and walk. And the Bible says his ankles were strengthened, his legs were strengthened. And he didn't just walk, he began to leap and run. And everybody rejoiced. That's the power of water workers. That's the power, the indomitable spirit of those who will not be discouraged or defeated. Give Jesus a hand one more time and we're going to close. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Now this is the best I know. I thought this would be a more pastoral sermon. I hope it was. It's the way it came to me. It wasn't for a Coliseum. Heck, I've never preached in a Coliseum, but wherever that is. But it was for you. But I'm going to ask you this morning, what is God calling you to get out of the boat? In my mind, I was beginning in and out of this boat. But in my mind, I also had the fear that that would have been a disaster. So I didn't do that. But if I, thank you. If, but if I got out of this boat, it might be to forgive someone who has harmed me terribly. It might be to give something to someone. 
It might be to write that note to someone that needs encouragement. I'm going to get out of the boat just to be who God called me to be. Whether I'm on the stage or in the seat or in the house, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm not going to let this fear. If everyone judges me, that's okay. If everyone says, ah, that wasn't my favorite sermon, that's okay. You were obedient. If you get up and sing a song, well, that wasn't my favorite worship set. Well, we didn't do it for you. We did it for him. If you let your need to perfect perfection, if you let your need, everybody's going to be watching you and judging you. The less conscious we are of ourselves, the more conscious we are of Him. The more we hidden. God is saying, will you get out of the boat? Will you obey me? Will you just surrender? Will you trust me that, no, it's not going to all look hunky-dory. There are going to be some moments I have tons of ridiculous mistakes on stage in public view. But you know what? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Are you going to be constantly distracted by the waves, the fear, the doubt, the imperfections, the circumstances? Are you going to say, Lord, here am I. Whatever you want. Whatever you want, Lord. If that's reaching out to the lady at Chick-fil-A, Lord, whatever you want. As every eye is closed in this house. Father, in the name of Jesus, for those in this room and those listening by podcast, I pray they'd have courage to get out of the boat. Lord, I can't fill in the blanks as much as I want to, Lord. But you can fill in the blanks with them on what that looks like for them. And maybe some of them are saying, I don't know what getting out of the boat would be. And that's okay. Because all you say is just say, I surrender. I'm willing. Lord, the fear that is raged against us, the need for perfection, that we'll be judged, or that somehow we're magicians pulling a bunny out of the hat. We've always got to have something new, special, all that, Lord, we're not here to perform. We're here to surrender. Lord God, use us in our areas of influence, in our jobs, in our work, in our homes. Lord, let us get out of the boat and walk on water. Lord, everyone in this room remembers when you, time and time again for this gal on the stage, when you pulled me up out of deep waters. I'm so thankful. It's all you, Holy Spirit. And I pray my brothers and sisters listening in this room would know you will do the same for them and you'll set their feet back up and let them learn to be a water walker again with an indomitable spirit that cannot be discouraged or defeated. We speak this in Jesus' name. Now, would you just grab someone's hand, if you will, just maybe move around.